0: Don't feel like a, a spiritual failure if sometimes you wonder where's God at and, and how is how is God working right now? Have the confidence that, that God is there. Stay the course, stay faithful, trust God. His comfort is on the way. And and we're gonna look at, or Paul's gonna reflect on a just horrific time in his life when he was facing difficult times. And and in in studying this, I, I was thinking believers right now could use comfort when we consider just our our country our our world the the trials you look around our country and it's just almost like you can't believe this stuff is going on but we we can remember we we can trust in god and as believers it might not make sense and it might hurt and and persecution of christians is all over the place It's not just in foreign countries anymore. There's persecution of believers. But we can rest and have comfort in God, knowing that we are are safe as long as it is our time to be here. Until it's time for us to go to heaven, we are completely safe wherever God has us, no matter what's going on in our world or in our country. Along with this idea of finding comfort in God and looking to God for comfort, I don't want you to paint this picture uh, where we can make horrible life choices and we can run away from God and we can do whatever we want to um, and then we get there and we wonder, okay, where's this this God of, of comfort that pastor was telling me about on Sunday without an attitude and a heart of repentance? of, okay, God, I realize I've strayed away. I need you. I was wrong. I'm looking toward you. Uh, it seems like God gets such a bad name by, by so many people that don't even believe in him. Uh, they see natural disasters, and they see all this stuff going on. And they say, well, where's, where's your God now? Where's this, where's this God of comfort now? Well, sin has consequences and many people have turned their back on God and rejected him and then want to blame him for for tragedies so don't 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 get confused here when i'm saying god is the god of all comfort don't get confused where you can do whatever you want and then throw up stuff to him without being repentant for Where are you at? I I know that's kind of heavy, but I believe that's a reality. And that's not the message Paul has given here, to do whatever you want and then try to find comfort. A lot of the discomfort in the world is related directly to sin. So what we're talking about this morning, what Paul is talking about here today, is you're following after God. You love Him. You're obeying Him. You trust in Him. And you end up in a hurtful situation, desperate for comfort desperately seeking for God's help. That is what we're talking about today. That is what the situation Paul is faced with today. And that is the situation that we find Paul encouraging the Corinthians with in this passage. And I I understand that we are not the church at Corinth. I understand that none of us are the Apostle Paul. I'm not trying to make those parallels here. But I do believe that there are principles in here that are still extremely relative for today and that we can pull out today and that we can apply to our lives today. What good does it do us to know all the right answers, to know what God's Word says and then not apply it? I believe there's application to be made here today. Look at verses 3 and 4 with me. Uh, 1 Corinthians, or so, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Chapter 1, verse 4. Actually, verse 3, then verse 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you for this time together. Thank you for this time when we can corporately lift you up and, and praise you and worship you and, and consider what you have done and who you are and what you are doing and the promises that you have made. I thank you that we can have complete confidence in you, that we can have complete trust in you. I pray that you would please work in our hearts today. I pray that you will change us, that you will grow us, that you will that you will mold us. I pray that we'll be sensitive and obedient to whatever you have for us today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So, just a little background on Corinthians. This, this is the, a book of the Bible that is a letter. It was written to the church at Corinth and also to the other saints or believers in Achaia. In, in verses 1 and 2, Paul kind of gives a greeting to this, to this letter. So if you imagine Paul writing this letter with a specific audience in mind. That's that's what's happening here. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints, which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So Paul is telling the audience here in this letter, he's telling them, who he is, he's telling them who called him. And you might say, well, okay, like it's a letter, he's writing his name, why is that that significant? Well, Paul was under attack for much of his ministry, but at the time of this writing to the, the church at Corinth, he was under attack by people who were trying to undermine what he had to say, or who were trying to bring doubt to the minds of the believers that Paul had God's authority. So Paul tells them in this letter, listen, It's me, the Apostle Paul. I was called by God, by Jesus Christ. And the words that I give to you are the words of God. Verse number 2, Paul gives them a very encouraging reality. He says, Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a nice way to start a letter, right? Grace and peace to you. A nice way to start a conversation um, just, just a kind way to open up conversing with people. But don't overlook the significance here. You can say, oh, it's just like Paul saying, hey, how's it going? Grace and peace to you. Grace and peace are a reality that are given to these people. Grace and peace are a reality that are still extended to us today. So don't just quickly read over these words to get to the bulk of the letter. This, this truth, this reality is more than just kind words. It's life-changing peace from the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. God extends His grace. He gives us His Son, who paid our sin debt, who then rose again from the dead. Through that gift, through God's grace, we can be at peace with the holy, just, righteous God. And Paul's declaring grace and peace to you. This is something that that is offered, that is given we could talk about that the rest of the day and not exhaust it where would we be without god's grace and god's peace we'd be in big trouble verse number 3 blessed be god now that that thought there that blessed is is a reminder to praise god and to honor him the sense of of god be blessed god be honored it says, blessed be God. I love Paul's attitude there, and we'll, we'll see how that's so significant as we keep going. Because Paul starts out here, blessed be God. Before he addresses the people and gets into the meat of the message, he said, hey, let's make sure God is blessed. Let's make sure God is praised and God is lifted up here. Then he says, blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Does that sound interesting to anybody. We, we understand the reality there. But he says, God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's found multiple times in the New Testament, this, this title. It says a lot in just a few words. We understand that, that, that the Father and Jesus are one. And the Holy Spirit is one with them. There's the, the Trinity there. The way it's worded here, it's, it's interesting. God... And father of our Lord Jesus Christ so we understand that they're both one that they're both equally God but what it does is it shows Christ in his incarnation remember God became man and dwelt among us Christ became man and dwelt among us. there's this incarnation he took upon him flesh he was fashioned in the form of a man you remember that so in the incarnation in, in the human form, Jesus was completely God, yet he was completely man. And in his incarnation, he was still completely obedient to the Father. He surrendered completely to the Father's will. And you can get a headache trying to reason that all the way out. Well, he's still God and he's submissive. Take it for what it is. Jesus Christ, completely God, completely man, humbled himself, and he was completely obedient to the will of the Father. And we find Jesus Himself referencing that throughout His ministry, that I must be about my Father's business. I have to do the will of Him that sent me. We find it over and over that Jesus was submissive to the Father in His incarnation. It also alludes to the redemptive work in the title that Jesus is addressed by. Did you see the title? We probably quickly read over it. Our Lord Jesus Christ. That says what he came to do and who he was in three words. I can tell you my name, Benjamin Isaac Kirkman, and I don't know what you get from that. But when we look at Jesus as the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not his first, middle, and last name. It, it's a title ascribed to him and it explains who he is and, and what he came to do. The Lord speaks of his sovereign deity. Jesus Yeshua speaks of God saves. And we see the picture of His saving death and His resurrection. And then Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, the King who will defeat God's enemies and rule over the redeemed. We get all that from just the name of Jesus. Paul also describes God as the Father of mercies. Even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, God as a merciful Father is a theme you can find throughout both the Old and the New Testament. And you can say, well, I thought the Old Testament was all about wrath and all about His people disobeying and all about His people getting punished and corrected, which, yes, it is. Sin has consequences. But also we see this theme of God's, God's mercy, of God's tender mercies, of his, of his mercies being new every day. Psalm 86, 5, For thou, Lord, art good, and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon Thee." First Peter 1 Peter three. "...Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ..." There's that phrase again. "...which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead." So we have this great truth in this introduction. We have this encouraging reminder that God is merciful and i need his mercy every single day because i am human and i make bad choices and i need god's mercy i'm so thankful he is the father of mercy he also refers to god as the god of all comfort you can find this theme in both the old and the new testament isaiah 52:9 break forth into joy sing together ye waste places of Jerusalem. For the Lord hath comforted His people. He hath redeemed Jerusalem. Second Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. Now our Lord Jesus Christ Himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation. Consolation means comfort. And good hope through grace. Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good work. Matthew 5, 4, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Paul went through crazy difficult times. People trying to discredit his message just for starters. Then he went through beatings and mockings, persecutions, shipwrecks, imprisonments. I mean, you've seen Paul's resume of the stuff that he went through. He still boldly declared, blessed. Be God. Could you imagine going through a third of the stuff Paul went through and then boldly saying, blessed be God? I hope so. I hope that's always our, our cry is blessed be God. God, you are good no matter what I go through. You see, Paul didn't blame God. Paul didn't say, God, what's wrong with you? You're not the God I wanted you to be. You're not giving me the life that I want. He said, blessed be God. He recognized that mercy and comfort came from God and that God was there even when life was rough. We might not be Paul, and I said that at the beginning. We're not Paul. But we have the same exact God as Paul did. So, if Paul can say, blessed be God, I mean, one shipwreck, that's brutal. He went through so much more than that, and he still says, blessed be God, the God of mercy, the God of all comfort. The God of grace and peace, the God of mercy and comfort is our God. No matter how difficult life gets, we can also say, blessed be God. And Of the God of of mercies and and comfort, Paul says, verse number 4, so there is this God of all comfort. Verse number 4, he starts out, Who comforteth us in all our tribulation? We understand the word comfort. Uh, I'll just help you a little bit with some more ideas of this word comfort. To console, to encourage, and to strengthen. And that's where... That's how God works and that's how God is working through these difficult times of giving comfort, of giving strength. Then the word tribulation, He comforts through these tribulations. Tribulation means to pressure, affliction, anguish, burden, persecution, or trouble. So you get this idea of life just squeezing down on you. Squeezing the life out of you. Crying out to God. And God is there to comfort, to strengthen you, to help you inside of that pressure situation to give you the strength and to give you the courage to keep going on to help you through it through all that paul faced in his life through all of the affliction he experienced god's comforting present, presence and he is declaring this reality to the corinthians he says god comforts us in all of our tribulations Let's look at verse 4 again. We'll, we'll continue on with verse 4. It says, "Who comforteth comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God." Did you catch the proper response to being comforted? God comforts us. What's our response to that? to then help comfort other people with the comfort that God has given to us. This supernatural comfort. God's design is for us to share this comfort with others, to encourage others. The context here is to the church, the church at Corinth, and to the believers at Achaia. It's, It's relationally, It's this relational comfort. It's not this concept of, of God comforts me, thanks for that. I'm going to keep soaking it up. It's God comforts me, I'm going to encourage, and I'm going to pour myself out with the comfort that God has given to me. God doesn't comfort us for us to hide it and to hoard it. He comforts us for us to share it. How has God helped you? You ever thought about that, sat down? How has God encouraged me? how has God encouraged you? His plan is for us to pass it on. God didn't design us to go through life alone. And you say, well, I'm a private person. Well, good for you. God still didn't design us to go through life alone. How is the the church to function? We all have different gifts and and responsibilities from God. And we function when we work together and we use those gifts and abilities together. That's His design. I didn't make this stuff up. If I made this stuff up, I'd be living in a cabin in a mountain all by myself with my family. But God designed us to be relational beings. Because I probably get lonely up there to be honest. Verse 5, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. That word consolation, when we read it, is the same exact Greek word as is translated comfort in this passage. So it's the same word interchangeable. So when you read, For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation is our comfort also aboundeth by Christ. So Paul experienced this extreme amount of sufferings. It abounded in his life. In his faithful walk with Christ, he still experienced sufferings. He was obeying Christ. Difficult times still came. That thought really messes up some popular theology these days. Or if you love God, life's perfect, and you're rich, and that theology—that's stretching any biblical theology I've found. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Just because we love Jesus doesn't mean our life is perfect, and there's no <coughs> difficult times. Paul called it the suffering of Christ he understood any difficult times that he went through was it was for Christ and he lived it out as I'm going through this for Christ he kept going how could he keep going with the abundant sufferings came abundant comfort that's, that's Paul writing here record of what God did for him. That's not me making up some catchphrase that sounds good. That's Paul recording how God actually worked in his life. He says, "Listen, I've suffered a bunch, abundant tribulation, but with that abundant tribulation came abundant comfort. God gave me what I needed to get through and to keep going on." In First Corinthians, he alludes to this where where you're not going to face more trials than you can handle, but will with the temptation and with the trial make a way of escape. So God is going to give you this strength, this comfort that you need. Follow Him. It might be tough, but He can help you through it. He will give you the comfort and the strength that you need. And I roughly quoted... Uh, 2 Timothy, all all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. But with the difficult situation also comes God's comfort and God's strength. Enough to get you through and to encourage others along the way. Uh, That verse I quoted comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, Let's look at verse... Well, I'll read you verse 10. But thou hast fully known my doctrine. This is Paul talking to Timothy here. Thou hast fully known my doctrine my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them all the Lord delivered me. You, You see that going on there? Then comes verse 12. Yea, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. If you live for Christ, expect this to happen. Because we have an enemy that hates God, that hates people that love him, that wants to destroy the lives of people that follow God. And there's a whole bunch of people that feel the same way as the devil does. And that's the people that, we're, that we live among that we are told to be, to be light, to be salt to. Why would we expect there to be no bumps along the way? Thankfully, we have the God of all comfort. Verses 6 and 7, and we're going to go quickly through these last ones. Don't get nervous. I know there's 11 verses we're trying to cover. But verses 6 and 7, And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation or for your comfort and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation or your comfort and salvation. Verse 7, And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye also be partakers of the consolation or of the comfort. So you, church, are going to go through these things like I went to, these sufferings, maybe not the same ones, but you're going to go through persecution, you're going to go through hard times. Guess what? There's going to be comfort for you too. Just like there was for me. And can you picture the authority of this coming from Paul? A man that went through so much. And they can look at that and say, okay, you know, God's been faithful to me so far, I can keep trusting Him. Through no matter what difficult situations I go through. And there's a lot of words in there we could, we could define. there In verse number 6, there's that which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings. What's talking there? Effectual is talking about effective at work, and enduring is a steadfastness. So we get this picture of God's comfort being continually at work, continually working in us. No matter what comes, this comfort endures. There's a steadfastness to it so they can get through it, and we can still get through it today. Verse 8, For we, do, or, For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life? Do you see what's going on there? Paul says, "Hey, remember that time in Asia? Apparently, the people were familiar with this. Maybe in another letter, Paul had written to them about what he had went through in Asia." where it was so bad, they thought they were dead. That's the type of suffering that they were going through. He says, I want you to remember that. Look back at that time. Look how bad it was. Verse 9, But we had the sentence of death in our own selves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead. You see what's going on there? It was so bad. In their own human reasoning, they had said, It's over. We're dead. We're done. We can't make it through here. All the human reasoning they could come up with said, Their life is over. So they, they committed themselves to God, to Christ. Say, God, I recognize you're in control. I recognize you, you can comfort and you can strengthen us. It looks like we're going to be dead, but we trust in you completely. If they would survive, God was the only one that could get them out. That was it. Their trust was completely in God. First part of verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death. God brought them through. It looked like it was over. It looked like they were done. But God brought them through. They give all the credit to God. God delivered us. And then he says, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that He will yet deliver us. So this is Paul's thinking here, that okay, we could die here, we're probably going to die, it really looks like we're going to die, but I'm going to go ahead and trust in God and see what has for me. Because if God wants me to continue, even if the guillotine is coming down on my neck, it's not chopping my head off. I'm not going down. If, as long as God wants me here, Nobody can take my life away. And Paul has this this confidence here. Paul was confident that it was God that had delivered him in the past and that it was God that would deliver him in the future. He was confident that God would continue to deliver him until it was his time to go to the presence of the Lord. Verse 11, Ye also, helping together, by prayer for us. That for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. What I really want us to see there is Paul acknowledges the people for praying for him. He says, hey, I understand there was a lot of people praying for, him, for us. I understand that it was, it was God that spared us that it, the comfort was from God But I want to recognize you people that you were praying for us. And God worked through your prayers and God heard your prayers. And your your prayer helped in the situation. The people were praying for Paul. The people were praying for Timothy. The people cared enough to pray for them. The people were aware that Paul and Timothy had something going on. Paul recognizes the importance of their prayers looking back at this account as we reflect on this it's such a beautiful picture of God's people loving and caring for each other we see at the beginning how how God comforts you okay you you comfort other people you help other people with this comfort okay someone's in trouble someone needs help seek God pray for each other reach out to God on someone else's behalf in the face of adversity Comfort from God is found in this situation. And we see this beautiful picture of it being executed just the way that God intended it to. For people to reach out, for people to encourage, and for people to pray. And I don't know if you care, but I'm going to tell you how I wrote this on my notes because this is the way that it, it works in my mind. We have, this, we have this big, big circle of prayer going on. We have God, or sorry, we have people praying, this church praying for Paul and for Timothy, because they're hurting. Praying for a situation. So this whole thing is covered in prayer. While the prayer is going on, while this difficult time is happening, we have people trusting, we have people seeking, we have people receiving, and we have people sharing. Do you see how that works? Tough situation, bathed in prayer. God helps the people inside of the situation. And he helps them to trust. He helps them to seek. He helps them to wait. He helps them to receive this comfort. And then through all of this, he helps the people to share, which is the right response to this. In seeing this this situation, and, and this situation is so much more brutal than I think I can even bring to our imaginations today of what they went through, of the persecution they faced. But what I want us to see is that there is a difficult situation and that God was there to comfort and that God did help. Let's learn from this. Let's let's reach out. Hey, let's start within the, the church. Or reaching out within the church to each other. Let's let's pray for each other. Let's let's encourage each other. Let's let's try to try to help each other with what we're facing. Let's develop these relationships. With each other. Now I know some of us are are close. Some of us are closer than others. But, I mean, we're kind of stuck together. We're we're a family. God, God has brought us together for a purpose. You might get along with someone better than I do. But we can still reach out. You might not like people at all. But we can still reach out and we can get to know each other and we can we can help each other. We do not have to go through life alone. That's not the way God intended it. God intended for us to be a family. And then let's glorify God together as a body of believers. Oh, when we're functioning properly, it brings glory to God. And last time I checked, everything we're we're do is supposed to be to bring glory to God. That's why we were created, for his pleasure, for his purpose, to bring him glory and honor. And I I just, I want to encourage us to be there for each other, to be alive and active. Because coming to church is not something, or it shouldn't be something that you just do. That Oh, we have to go to church today. The church is something that we are. We are the body of Christ. We're the representation of Christ on this earth. And if we can't get along with each other, and if we can't love each other, and we can't encourage each other, how is that light supposed to ever get past these doors? And I just want to think about that today. I I know we have this brunch coming up right after service. We get to spend time with each other. We get to eat food while we're doing it. But let's get to know people. Let's find out, hey, how can I pray for you? What, what can I do for you? How can I help you? Because people, people like to get mad when nobody helps them or when nobody reaches out to them. But how are we supposed to know if you don't communicate? That's part of relationships, is communicating with each other. Now, nothing big happened that makes me say this. Don't worry, I'm not combating a, a problem from the pulpit. I, I just want us to be what we're supposed to be. And I want us to reach. I desire a close relationship. I need, I need your help like you need other people's help. So let's, let's be that. We have the God of all comfort. His comfort is not limited. He can comfort us in any situation and we can pass that comfort along to each other. Let's pray together. Dear Father, I thank you for this time together. I thank you for your word. I thank you that we can look back at these, these times in, in history where your working is, is put into action, and we can look at these examples, and, and we can draw from it, and we can be convicted and compelled to, to be who you would have us to be. I pray that you will grow um, grow me relationally. I pray that you will help me to be who I should be, that I will pass on the comfort that you've given me to others. I pray that we will be a, a church that, that loves and that, that reaches out. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Let's all stand together.